Good morning, and we are joined at this time by Randy Fry, State Representative, for his weekly visit during the 2022 General Assembly session. Good morning to you, Randy. Good morning, Tom. And, of course, uh, another busy week. It is now week four, the 10-week uh, short session in the uh, General Assembly. And, um, and, of course, a lot of bills uh, uh, coming up. And uh, what can you uh, tell us as far as uh, what the calendar looks like uh, for today? Well, Tom, the calendar today is really busy. There's 42 bills on second reading. That's where bills are uh, can be amended. And 10 bills on third reading where the final uh, bill is debated. That's 52 bills. As you remember, uh, the first and second week that we had session, we had very little on the House floor. It's because everything has to go through committee, and now things are coming through committee and are coming to the House floor. Tomorrow is the uh, committee report deadline. And the committee report is what comes out of a committee once a bill is heard and passed. The, the uh, committee chairman signs a committee report, sends it back to the House floor, where the committee report is adopted, and then the bill is eligible to be heard on second reading um, soon after or in the next calendar. Um, so if a bill hasn't been heard in committee and passed by tomorrow, the bill for all intents and purposes is dead. So an awful lot of bills that folks um, that are listening are watching. You can go to the Indiana General Assembly webpage after uh, tomorrow uh, and you can start watching those bills and the ones that are highlighted in blue are still alive and the ones that are dark out in gray are, are no longer alive so um, that's uh, that's a good way to follow those so uh, we're gonna we're gonna see a whole lot of bills um, uh, end up ineligible after tomorrow and of course you mentioned uh, at the uh, end of by uh, tomorrow now is this at the close of business tomorrow or midnight tomorrow well um, I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I know that it has to be adopted during session. Okay. We go in tomorrow at 1.30. Uh, I assume a committee could be uh, holding a hearing at the same time so we're in session, but it doesn't usually happen that way. Most of the time, it, uh, it's only that those committees which have heard the bill and have presented a committee report prior to session beginning. So uh, I, I would assume that's the way it still is. But Whatever the case, uh, after tomorrow, bills that have not cleared committee are pretty much dead. Now, there, there's no such thing as a bill that's totally dead, and there's sometimes bills that find ways to uh, come back alive. But most, most of the bills that aren't heard will not will not be coming back. All right, and then so uh, so something to look forward to uh, today. And then, uh, looking uh, back to last week, uh, in particular. Um, House Bill uh, 1003 uh, regarding uh, nursing programs and uh, licensing matters. And uh, uh, can you give us a, a review of that and uh, how it, uh, uh, what, it, uh, what action was taken in the House? I can, Tom. That bill passed 91 to 2. Uh, and what it does is it allows continued uh, temporary license of retired health care providers. You know, Tom, the COVID has done a, a tremendous Put tremendous stress on our uh, healthcare workers and our nurses, and uh, we have a nursing shortage as it is. And what this is designed to do is to continue to allow uh, for those nurses who have retired to come back into the system and continue to work. It also uh, makes it uh, more streamlined for nursing education, so we can get more nurses through school. Um, certainly, we uh, we can't have a shortage of nurses. We've got a shortage of several fields. We've got a shortage of truck drivers. We've got a shortage of teachers. We've got a shortage of paramedics. So uh, it's not it's not just nurses. However, we just can't afford not to have enough nurses to take care of our folks when they're sick. 
And what strikes me, Randy, is uh, it was it was it passed. Uh, I, I would imagine uh, bipartisan support. However, uh, two voted against. Uh, I mean, uh, that's kind of a seems like at first blush, that's that's kind of a head scratcher. Well, it is, and uh, the only way to understand why someone voted against that bill would be to ask them. Uh, most likely, there's some little provision they don't like, or maybe there's something they, they don't like it because this is actually an extension of a provision of the governor's executive order, which allowed for these nurses to be brought back into the system. Now, I can't imagine anybody having a problem with that. We needed the, the healthcare workers. Anyone who's talked to anyone in healthcare knows that they're overworked and, and exhausted. And so, but uh, it could be that they simply didn't like that provision because it's an extension of a portion of the governor's executive order. Or the, it's not the, the order itself, but the language that was in the order. So uh, who knows? Uh, you know, everyone has a right to vote the way they see fit. But uh, in this case, it's, uh, it is a head scratcher. All right. Then uh, moving on to House Bill uh, 1002, uh, the Hoosier tax cut. Of course, this is one of the more high-profile bills uh, that before the legislature. And uh, uh, can you tell us uh, where that stands right now and, uh, and give us a little bit about some background? I can, Tom. And this bill passed bipartisan as well. Not, near, not nearly as high a bipartisan vote, but it did pass bipartisan. It's now on its way to the Senate where it'll be heard, uh, assuming it'll be heard in uh, February. And uh, this bill uh, basically rebates $1.3 billion of, of the Hoosier taxpayer's money back to where it came from, to the taxpayer, over a four-year period of time. It cuts your uh, Indiana income tax by 7%. Uh, that's pretty significant. Uh, it's the largest tax cut in Indiana history. And uh, it also provides $125 tax credit for everyone who paid Indiana income tax in 2021. You'll have a $125 credit on your 2022 Indiana income tax. Now, family uh, filing jointly is $250. So, it, it's a it's a nice uh, amount of money that can be applied directly to your Indiana 2022 income tax uh, liability. And if you don't owe tax, you'll receive the money. All right, and of course that uh, covers the uh, um, individual households. And then, as far as uh, what about the business uh, personal property? Uh, anything in there uh, regarding that? Mm-hmm. It eliminates a thirty percent minimum valuation floor for new business personal property. Uh, this is something we've heard about over the years from uh, from businesses that they believe needs to be uh, done to assist them uh, and uh, and to help them uh, grow their businesses. And so, uh, again, this is just another opportunity for us to uh, give some of the money back, or in this case, for the, the business owner to keep more of their money where they can then turn around and invest it back into their business. All right. And then uh, also uh, House Bill 1130. This is regarding uh, public comment at school board meetings. And uh, uh, what can you tell us about uh, where that is uh, right now going through the House? Yeah, House Bill 1130 will be on uh, second reading today in the House. And this bill comes to us from Representative O'Brien, and you've most likely heard that there have been school board meetings, not necessarily in our area, but school board meetings where uh, individuals wanted to, to speak and they were denied the opportunity. Uh, House Bill 1130 says that everyone who comes to a school board meeting and wishes to speak will be given up two, three minutes. Minimum, they, they cannot, uh, they, everyone would be allotted three minutes to speak. Uh, this also, the bill also has a provision in it that if someone is unruly or disrespectful, that they can also be dealt with. So it's not uh, giving a, a free hand for anyone just to come to a school board meeting and, and be disruptive. 
This is this is uh, about making um, your your voice heard, making your concerns heard, but also remaining respectful to all uh, parties' concerned. Um, it's just a way to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to be uh, have their voice heard when it comes to their school board meeting. And I guess to uh, boil it down uh, simply, it's the rights and responsibilities, uh, Bill, not only for uh, the school board, but also uh, the public, uh, the taxpayers who uh, come and uh, want to speak before the school boards. Well, that's absolutely right. And uh, But again, we have to emphasize that this is, this is uh, not a, a free hand to come to a school board meeting and to be disrupted. And I know your listeners wouldn't do that, but evidently there have been some who did. And so what, what we don't want is, uh, you know, uh, someone coming in and just being disruptive. Um, everyone needs to remain respectful and, and calm and have their uh, voice heard at the same time. So I think this bill has a nice balance of protecting the school board from those kind of disruptions, but also protecting the individual and giving them an opportunity to have their voice heard. That bill passed committee unanimously. So I, I think that's important to note that that bill had bipartisan unanimous support coming out of committee all right so uh that uh that, that uh, speaks volumes there as far as that's concerned and uh, with that we're gonna it go does. ahead and uh, take a quick time out and we'll continue our weekly visit with state representative randy fry right after this Don't adjust your radio. The sound that you hear is your stomach. You're having trouble focusing. You can't recall your last meal. You're trapped in the hunger zone. The solution, Batesville to go. Let to go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com or call us at 812-727-8800. Batesville to go. Big city convenience, small town taste. And welcome back to the Daily Pod as we continue our conversation with State Representative Randy Fry and for his weekly legislative update. And another bill, Randy, House Bill 1073. This is the conversion vehicle warranty. And what can you tell us about that bill? This, this is a bill, Tom, that came to us from a constituent, and I'm sure several constituents have had this issue. Um, in this case, Tom, when we talk about a conversion van, we're talking about a van that's been altered for someone who's handicapped, special needs. And and what has, had happened with this particular constituent, and this bill comes to us from Representative Engelman, I'm co-author on the bill, is that um, the individual purchased a vehicle, had the, a lift put in, a wheelchair lift put in it, and it didn't work right. And so they would take the, the uh, vehicle to the people who put the lift in, and they would say, well, it's not our problem, it's the manufacturer's problem. And then the manufacturer said, no, it's, it's not us, it's the lift people. And so what we were trying to do is find a clear demarcation point where we can say, if this is the problem, this is who's responsible. And if this is the problem, this is who's responsible. This, this individual was just going back and forth and back and forth to, from one of these agencies to the other or companies to the other and no one was fixing the vehicle. And so the vehicle was just pretty much unable to be used. The lift wouldn't go back in. And so um, what we want is we don't want the, for instance, we don't want the auto manufacturer to be responsible for something that's not theirs. But we also don't want the lift company to be responsible if there's something malfunctioning within the automobile itself. Now, these are big time alterations. Um, as you know, they. They uh, often will uh, alter the frame or, or, or lower the floor. They uh, change the suspension. It's a big demand on a power system. 
And so uh, there's a lot of different factors here that have to be taken into consideration. I think this bill is still going to have some more changes to it as it, if it passes the House and goes to the Senate. That will improve it. Uh, but we certainly want to uh, protect the consumer. And uh, we're working with both the conversion companies and the manufacturers to try to get language here that's fair to everybody but still protects the consumer. For lack of uh, a better term, it's sort of a conversion ban conversion vehicle lemon law. And uh, so we just want to make sure that uh, these folks are, have the protection uh, for these kind of issues. Now, we also know that in a lot of cases, these folks are, are handicapped already. The last thing they need is to have to go back and forth between these two companies. And as far as uh, when you mentioned consumer, um, I imagine that you're uh, talking uh, primarily about uh, individuals, uh, not, say, for example, agencies such as um, like a catcher ride in our area where they have uh, where they have to have uh, uh, lifts for uh, for wheelchairs and so forth to take their uh, their clients and uh, and riders and so forth to doctor's appointments. And now is this uh, just for individuals or is this or is this protect uh, also Say, for example, a nonprofit agency uh, such as the uh, the umbrella agency in charge of a, a catcher ride, for example. I would say it covers it. Uh, we have to look uh, again. We're just uh, formulating this bill. It's just now moving, but uh, I would say it would cover any conversion vehicle. Uh, and uh, so, uh, we just want to make sure that uh, the vehicle works as it was designed and the lift works as it's designed. All right. And then uh, one bill that uh, caught my eye uh, the, last week, uh, and it's a uh, story that's featured on WRBIRadio.com, House Bill 1013, mm-hmm. the Mastodon bill. Now, can you walk us through uh, through the genesis <laughs> of this? Sure I'd, lo- I'd love to yeah, hear the story. Sure well, it's, it's a good story, Tom. And um, this bill came from uh, a, a real gentleman, and I hope uh, your listeners get a chance to meet him. His name is Dr. Stanley Totten. Dr. Totten taught for 60 years at Hanover College. Um, he is a major part of the development of the Science Center there on Hanover's campus. If you haven't seen it, it's fabulous. And, um, and Dr. Totten is very much um, uh, involved in, in teaching uh, uh, an era long gone by where these mastodons uh, traveled Indiana. And so he uh, asked me to come down and tour the, the uh, Science Center this year. I did. And, uh, and, the, and there at Hanover, they have two mastodon fossils. You know, Tom, these things are huge. They're as big as an elephant. And they look a lot like an elephant. And so these particular uh, mastodons were just massive. But they also roamed Indiana, which is quite different than maybe some fossils or large fossils that we might have seen uh, over the years. These uh, these guys actually were part of, uh, of Indiana. And so Dr. Totten believes that uh, Indiana should have a state fossil. Now, we are, we are one of five states that do not have a state fossil, so it's not like a unique situation. But Dr. Totten's goal is to, to get children interested in studying this era where these massive beasts walked around Indiana. And it's it's quite possible, Tom, when we dig the next pond on the farm or, or the next foundation for the house that we'll dig up a mastodon. Um, there's been more than 300 found in Indiana, uh, one in Decatur County. And so uh, these, uh, these, these animals were very common uh, at that particular time so, so many years ago. So it's designed to spur children's interest in studying science is what it's about. 
Uh, and so uh, if you have a chance, if your listeners have a chance, they can go to the Indiana General Assembly webpage, go down to uh, the committee that heard the bill and listen to the testimony. It's online. Uh, it's excellent testimony, Dr. Totten. Basically, you know, wowed the committee. The committee uh, passed the bill unanimously. I have three co-authors on the bill. So it's not quite what it might seem on the surface that it's sort of a, a necessary or a joke. It isn't. It's designed to, uh, to spur our children's minds to study and think about uh, science. The other thing Dr. Totten pointed out was that it's easier to get a student to get involved in something when they realize that those particular animals walked where they're walking. It, it's right here in Indiana, and they can relate to that versus, um, you know, something else that they may have only heard about or read about. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's on second reading today in the House, and uh, assuming that we can get off second reading and get on to third, it'll, uh, it'll be on third reading tomorrow, and that's where the merit of the bill is debated. And we'll see. There may be some no votes, and, and if they are, that's fine. Um, this bill is, uh, is, is nothing more or less than what I described, a way to uh, encourage children to enjoy science. And uh, kind of illustrate what uh, you've been talking about, Randy. Uh, you know, for example, a male mastodon remains were discovered in a farm field around Seymour in uh, 2019 while workers were installing a new sewer system. So I guess, you know, that, that kind of highlights what you're talking about, the fact that these uh, these creatures uh, walked on uh, what's now Hoosier soil, and it can get uh, and really uh, pique kids' interest. That's true, Tom. And, and these animals, these massive animals, were a food source for earlier uh, folks who lived here in what we now know as Indiana. And uh, the two Macedon fossils that they have, they're magnificent. Um, there are models of them that are assembled, but the, the fossils themselves are there as well. They show knife marks where uh, they would have been butchered, and, and they were a big food source. So when a, a young person is maybe coming from a farm and they know how we get food today, they can relate to that back to this time when, when the uh, early uh, folks that lived here killed and, and ate these animals. It's, it's common also to find these fossils in very low, boggy, wet areas. And they believe that it's because they were probably herded into these bogs where they couldn't move very quick, and then they could be easily subdued uh, and, and taken there. So uh, that's just another uh, uh, opportunity for a young student to start thinking about uh, how, that, how the early, who, early people who lived here had to live in order to get their food. All right, so we'll definitely uh, keep an eye on that particular bill. Uh, anything else uh, before uh, we let you uh, get back to work today, uh, Randy Fry? Well, it's going to be a busy day, and it'll be busy tomorrow and uh, and busy uh, all week. Uh, next Monday is the third reading deadline. Any bill that hasn't passed the House on third reading by the end of uh, the session on Monday is uh, effectively dead. Um, there are ways that bills seem to come back to life, but for the most part, most of those bills that have not been heard will will uh, expire. So um, we'll go from uh, a lot of bills that could be considered down to just a few, and then we'll see. Uh, shortly thereafter, the following week, Monday, um, bills will start coming over from the Senate, and we'll start the whole process over. We'll hear Senate bills. Senate. Uh, House bills will go to the Senate. They'll hear our bills. And then basically we'll see uh, what gets done and what gets changed and work it all out at the end. 
All right, very good. Well, uh, State Representative Randy Fry, we appreciate you joining us this morning, and uh, we look forward to visiting with you again next Monday. My pleasure, Tom. Always enjoyable. I'm Tom Snape for The Daily Pod.